senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlands podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 94 on Time for a Change. <laughs> well, the major renovations at the new home office are now basically done. This is possibly the first weekend that we've had in some time where there hasn't been some sort of worker doing something yeah. in the house. Yeah, it's it's been it's been absolutely clear. I mean, the biggest thing was, yeah, that last week we got hung up because the, the painters were here, but they got done finally on Monday. Uh, the the biggest headache was I'm having a pellet stove installed. So because the, the new home office only has electric heat, uh, which is stupid. And I don't know why the <laughs> fuck they did that. <laughs> Possibly because we abut conservation land and they didn't want you know toxic chemicals being pumped up here. Uh, yeah, I, I I have no idea. <laughs> Beats the hell out of me. But but yeah, it's electric heat and in with a Boston winter, particularly the one we had last year. Yeah, that can't be the only thing. And there's a fireplace in. The home office, but I'm not of the type where I'm going to, oh yes, yeah, send me a cord of wood and I will go outside with my axe and I will split it and break it. To, no, I'm I, pretty I, sure that would violate the condo regs anyway. I would chop off a toe, which <laughs> not only violates condo regs, but the if, the, if the condo don't, regs don't let me wash my car in my own goddamn driveway, they're not going to let you split a cord of wood. <laughs> That's true. But even if they did, I would die screaming. I would, yeah, I'd misery myself. I'd just Paul Sheldon my own foot off. And, uh, and then, yeah, fiddle around with, okay, you know, I'm a technical guy. A fireplace is a hole in the wall where you set something on fire. It does look well used and not cleaned ever. That's that was my takeaway from the one look inside the fireplace. I oh, took. If, if we lit an actual fire in there, the, the entire chimney would explode yeah. in flames. Yeah. So yeah, we, we want to get a pellet stove installed. Now, which, on one hand, oh, it's nice and green, and it uses these reconstituted sawdust pellets, so it's relatively inexpensive. But the the problem is, unlike natural gas heat, where they pump the gas to your house. Or oil heat, where a truck comes in and fills up a tank. Yeah, there's no pellet tank in this house. I had three tons of fucking wood pellets in our garage. Yeah, yeah. It's and the theory was oh, no big deal. We'll burn them off during the winter. But yeah, it's a, the 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 installation kept having to be put off because the the condo board just said okay, we're gonna approve them. But it's it's like any other homeowners association. It's there's probably one person on it whose asshole puckered up and said, "Oh no, somebody's having fun. Somebody's actually doing something that that makes their life fulfilled." And you no, know, we got to stamp that out. So green yeah. energy. No, I just gave money because the Koch brothers asked me to give it to <laughs> some GOP ass clown. I <laughs> Not on my watch. I burn quarts of motor oil to. Burn. To, to heat my house. The only thing you should be using your fireplace for is to burn money here. <laughs> <laughs> or hookers, whatever. Take this cord of $100 bills. <laughs> is, is that a measurement of $100 bills? Sure, why not? <laughs> if I had a cord of $100 bills, I wouldn't be asking the condo association for shit. Yeah. But, so yeah, that was that had to get put off. But then, yeah, otherwise, nobody was in here. So it finally occurred to us, yeah, Jesus, we can actually start, I don't know, unpacking our shit. <laughs> Part of why I guarantee I've listened to some of the audio and it's still echoey in here because, yeah, in the studio, we still don't have 
curtains up or rugs or anything. We just haven't had the time or the ability because what the fuck are you going to put up on the walls when somebody's going to come in and paint all of them? Yeah. Right now, the, the walls kind of are in a state of the unbearable whiteness of being. Yeah. So, but we actually managed to get some more boxes unpacked, which means about 95% of the trade paperbacks. I didn't realize how many we had because we decided we have a lot, and and you found dupes. Like we we bought them and then forgot we bought them or lost them in other portions of the house. Well, in the, <laughs> in the old home office, it, yeah, it was we had bookshelves in every friggin' room because we ran out of space in that place like five years ago. Yeah, so it was a, oh shit, this bookshelf's full. Well, I think we can fit a two by two under this window. Let's go get that. Okay, no, you know what? I moved this thing out of the corner. We can get another two by six. And so, yeah, it's we had trades in every room of the house. Right. This time we decided, you know, we've got a couple of solid two by sixes. Let's at least start them off with trades. The, the, we completely filled two two by six <laughs> bookshelves with trade paperbacks. We've got a problem. <laughs> it's it looks like the comic book lending library. It does. In our living room. But it's, now we know what we've got, so if there's anything we have to put our hands on, we know we can find it. That was always frustrating as hell. Right. That was, you know, I part of the reason we have dupes of some things was, I know we're going to talk about this book on the show this week, and I can't put my hands on it. I don't know where it is in the house. Right. Well, because we sometimes I would buy a trade and then forget that I bought the trade because it was still in a bag with a stack of other books I hadn't gotten to. And <laughs> oh yeah, you've got two or three Madame Xanadu number fours floating yeah. in this house. Um, and it, it's it's an okay book. I don't need four of them. <laughs> yeah, I feel a little more secure. Not only just in my day to day life, but in doing this show, it's like I can put my hands on the books now. Yes. Now and now everything's not just uh, yeah, like you said, it's this horrible monochromatic. They did a great job painting, but during the week <laughs> you go to work all day, you come back. It's not, hey, let's bust open a box and start alphabetizing comic books. And should no. we do it? Should we do it by author? Should we do it by title? <laughs> should we go full high fidelity and do it autobiographically? Uh. Go from Dark Knight Returns to Watchmen to Black Kiss because I thought I was a grown up at 16. I don't know. Just, just do it alphabetically by title, man. Why are you fucking around? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're finally making progress here. And the sad thing is, yeah, the painters left on Monday. And even if we wanted to do something, we had to come to a full halt because, yeah, we knew we wanted to do this week's show about at least the conclusion of uh, season Who. yeah, season nine of Doctor Who. And it was one where we were way behind on this. Yeah. <laughs> In ways that we weren't with other shows because everything really very much for the fall TV season has been before and after move. And for most of them, it wasn't too bad because most of the shows debuted in like mid-October. Right. So like for Supergirl, uh, we'd already seen the pilot because we did the show on the leaked pilot months ago. So we knew what that was about. But then they, there was only one more issue and then there was the uh, issue, one more episode. <laughs> and then there was the move. So we missed one that we had to get our hands on. And there was another one that the, the TiVo finally got and we got hooked. We were able to catch up pretty easily. Yeah. Doctor Who was the last one we did that on, but also Doctor Who debuted in like mid-September. Mm -hmm. So we watched the first three or four, I think. Oh, I watched the first three or four. You fell asleep drunkenly. Because I have a problem. <laughs> and English accents make me sleepy. <laughs> Duly noted. They make me feel dumb and I just go <laughs> under like, okay, apparently they have it under control. They don't need me. <laughs> 
It's because the British are the best at everything. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I have watched too much Lord of the Flies. <laughs> but, but so, yeah, all right. So I'd missed, yeah, one or two of those. But it was also, yeah, after the move, it, for whatever reason, it wound up being the last one we caught up on. Yeah. So there was like a six-week gap in between episodes for me. So what do we go back to episode four, I think? Well, we actually ended up watching them out of order. We watched the the Zygon invasion and inversion, and then we went back and got you caught up on uh, Macy Williams' debut as the girl who died and then the woman who lived. Right. And then we worked our way forward. <laughs> yeah, so we, we fucked this one all the way up. In- you know, actually, it worked, though, because you could watch the Zygon ones in isolation having not watched the rest of the season. That is true. And most of it you could sort of watch out of order. It's yeah. A, with, the whole, with the whole two-episode block that everything was like, a, except for, I think, one episode, everything was two episodes back-to-back. Pretty much. So there were certain things, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to do the finale before seeing <laughs> the girl who died and the woman who Yeah, you would have been confused. <laughs> no, Arya, quit being a bitch. What, what, what? Arya, why don't you get a nose ring? <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of glaring to me. Yeah. But <laughs> these damn kids and their nose rings and What's their that on your f- face, stripper glitter? It's a nose <laughs> ring? <What> the-, <laughs> the stripper glitter's cheaper. It makes a statement that I approve of. <laughs> Why did you bedazzle your nose? <laughs> <laughs> so so we did finally catch up on yeah, the last two episodes this morning. And uh the one thing I want to say Whoever did the sound mix on at least the last three episodes of this season should be fucking fired yes. with no goddamn references. Because the the score and the sound effects were loud, and they really drown out the dialogue. Yes. And I, I thought initially it was, well, I haven't, you know, we got a new home theater space here. I got to recalibrate the speakers. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. But also, after we watched the last two episodes, I went back and rewatched Face the Raven on the one TV that we have that has no surround sound whatsoever. And it was the same mess. I could barely yeah. hear the dialogue. You know, the thing is, we, we've actually gotten lucky. It, it's been a complaint on various fan boards about this season. And I feel like it's just recently been something that we've run into with it here. Yeah, it was it was really hard really hard to follow and particularly one thing i noticed i was just trying to get a quick rewatch of face the raven in you know before i collected my thoughts on the season no american citizen should try to watch an episode of doctor who with tivo's quick mode on (laughs) because quick mode if you're not familiar if you don't have a tivo it's this new feature uh, that just came out that speeds episodes up by like a third yeah uh, but it pitch corrects the audio so that it doesn't sound, you know, like Dr. Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> I would watch that. I would watch that too. Doctor! <laughs> I'm the doctor. Hey, see, people. <laughs> but. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Rasselong just standing alone in a field yelling for the doctor like he's Dave. <laughs> but, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> But, but yeah, it's a, so it pitch corrects, but it's still 30% faster. So everybody's talking that much faster. And yeah, between the fucked audio mix 
and the sped up Scottish accent Capaldi's got. It was like watching an episode of Doctor Who through a fucking haggis. It was just, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Through a haggis, you said. I finally say. had to stop it. <laughs> They're just someone yammering guttural fucking syllables into full. You should try this with Highlanders sometime. Watch your head explode. Oh, yeah, I can't. Like scanners. <laughs> that's not even that's Scottish by the way of French, by the way yeah. of Irish through Connery. There's not a Scottish person in that fucking movie. <laughs> I think they had some. I, I feel like there might have been a handful, just not Christopher Lambert. <laughs> Who also like is my my favorite part of Mortal Kombat as um, the Japanese god Raiden. <laughs> All I can think of when I think of Highlander is is that I think it was a deleted scene they wound up putting back in the director's cut. Don't look at me, Jack. You're the master race. <laughs> no, I think that was I think that was in the other. I don't know. I've only ever it's been too long. I think I've only ever watched that one recently. So. Yeah, I saw it back in high school, but I think ever ever since then, I think almost all you can get is the expanded director's cut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Doctor Who. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, the sound mix was just <laughs> just horrible. So yeah, BBC, if you're listening, for the love of God, if we have a better sound mix on this show, <laughs> fire them, get rid of them, get somebody new. Yes. All right. So. For the season as a whole, I was really, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at how few of the episodes really stuck to my head, particularly the early ones. And granted, uh, yeah, I fell asleep for one or two and had to rewatch them. But, and, and part of that is the big gap. You know, just six weeks in between watching episodes. But like things like I'd forgotten about the doctor's confession dial box, last will and testament thing. I'd forgotten about that until you reminded me of that. What we were watching this morning. Well, that's been the thread through this season, and it shows up in the first episode with Missy, of all people, Missy the Master. Yeah. And apropos of, of nothing, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, it does show up, but it's it was not mentioned in every single episode. No, but it, it shows up enough that it's... That's how I kind of realized, spoilers, hey, we're going to spoil this season. So if you've been like saving it up and thought you were going to like watch it as like your your Christmas um, binge, yeah, you just, might want to tune out now. Just just save this episode <laughs> on your phone, uh, listen to it on the plane or in the car ride home from Christmas Yeah, after a, a long drunken episode with relatives that you don't necessarily want to see anyway. But the whole theme for this season has been... Um, the idea of things are, are not what they appear and what is a hybrid and why is a hybrid meaningful and enemies are actually friends, but friends may actually be enemies. And the confession dial, it occurred to me when he started making the point over and over, oh, I have to make a confession when he's trapped in the weird castle in the middle of the sea <laughs> right? after Clara seemingly dies. I'm like, this seems kind of time lordy. It seems kind of bigger on the inside than on the outside. And, and they keep saying confession a lot. Huh. I wonder if he's in his confession dial. <laughs> <laughs> well, did they call it a confession dial before this? Um, I feel like they did. We've seen it before. We've I know we've seen it, but I remember he called it the last will and testament. And again, I'm, I'm not as, <laughs> you know, I have not had a chance in, in I don't think I rewatched the first couple because I know no, I was... No, they, they did, but it's because it's shown up in previous seasons also. 
Yeah, okay. Now we're back to my drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we, we've said it before on this show. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. You are a long-term hardcore enthusiast. I'm sure when we do our Star Wars episode next week, I'll be rattling off shit. No, no, no. You don't remember this from Attack of the Clones. It, and yeah, I'll admit I've seen Attack of the Clones. But it's all right. It doesn't make you less of a person. Ugh, it feels like it does when we do a Doctor <laughs> Who episode. I feel like a moron. But but yeah, I don't recall uh, the confession dial from, from anything before this. Doesn't okay. mean it wasn't there. It just means ugh, that one didn't stick to my head. That's all right. So the... The interesting thing about this season to me was the sudden need at the end to shoehorn in Gallifrey and the Time Lords. I I feel like they did that kind of, all right, we need an even bigger bat at the end. And we've we've done recently the Daleks to death and we've done the Cybermen. We've seen a shit ton of the Master. Who... Who else haven't we seen in a while? Oh, I know, Gallifrey. All of Gallifrey. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll give Moffat credit on that. That's somewhat of a long game. Because, well, yeah, cause... Gallifrey was restored yeah. in Day of the Doctor. That was two years ago at this point? Yeah. So to take that long to actually bring it back into the fold. And it felt relatively organic. Well, kind of, except we don't know how it got out of its pocket universe. Yeah, I don't know. That's why it felt to me a little bit like, huh? <laughs> now, in in earlier seasons, going back years, have we ever seen Gallifrey before? Um, I think that we saw some of it during the Time War when Timothy Dalton was Rassilon. Okay. Because all I know is <laughs> we, we start seeing these, and I'm like, oh, God, dude, who... Who did your wardrobe? Ming the fucking merciless. Nobody. Dresses oh, that's been like that's that. been a long term. That's that's how the 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 High Council of Gallifrey dresses, and it's very silly. And and there was like it it's it sort of looks almost papal. Like there's there's like a, a bright sort of claret red color for some of them, and a gold color for some others, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's it's horrible. <laughs> Just, oh, really? You look like you escaped from a Flash Gordon strip in 1938. <laughs> I can't take you see Oh, you've got a gauntlet of doom. <laughs> Do you? Really? So, yeah, the, the gauntlet of doom, I don't remember, but I also drink. Um, I mean, I know I know he saw this, but it's just like, why do you have Lady Gaga's hand from American Horror Story? <laughs> um. I'll never admit I watched it. Actually, <laughs> that show is all you from here on out. I've decided. <laughs> That's like the following. That could be your guilty pleasure from here on out. I can't watch that show even remotely so. What are you wearing on your hand? I mean, I I recognize like, you know, if you had like a, a fingernail for like a Coke finger, but damn. It's like a horrible fisting implement. It's like you could do a kilo of Coke off of that. <laughs> to wear that collar, you'd have to. Yeah. That does scream 1970s. <laughs> Bigger collars, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Make my collar bigger. It's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I, I derailed you. That's You're all right. Talking about bringing Gallif- uh, Gallifrey back. Yeah, it just it felt a little like I, I. You start the season with with Missy, and she seems to have been dead, or <laughs> she's just resting. Yeah, it's, I felt like that. As much as we've sort of seen her to death at this point, I felt like it was missing a certain symmetry 
since she had the confession dial at the beginning of the season that she should have had it at the end of the season. <laughs> I can I can see where you're, where you're saying that. Part of me wants to believe Moffat, Stephen Moffat, the showrunner, has to has to be smart enough to understand, although it doesn't seem like it, has to be smart enough to understand you go back to the well enough and you eliminate all the impact that characters have. And just in this season, we saw everybody. Yeah. We started out with the Daleks. We saw Cybermen in, uh, not just in the, uh, finale, but in Face the, uh, Face the Raven. Yep. Uh, the fucking Weeping Angels. <laughs> as powerful as Blink is, if I see another Weeping Angel for the next two fucking years, even as a cameo, as a wink and a nod, they're done to death. Yeah. I might be in the minority on that one, but they've been done enough that whatever relationship they had to their initial appearance, the rules have all changed. It feels like it just, I'm done with them. Yeah. But if you keep going back to that well, you know, you can only recast the master so much. Right. You know, you can only be, oh, no, it's Davros is a baby. <laughs> oh, okay. It's you, you need a new big bad eventually. So I'm okay with saying, fine, it's Gallifrey. It turns out that they're, you know, real cocks and now they're players that he has to deal with. I was all right with that. Yeah. The, the symmetry you're talking about makes a certain amount of sense. But yeah, after a certain point. No, I, I just felt as though... They they tried to shoe, shoehorn in a lot of stuff, including bringing back Gallifrey and the High Council for the sole purpose of trying to suggest that the entirety of the season was to explain to Doctor the Doctor that his relationship with Clara was somehow toxic and needed to be ended. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I really got that at all. Well, because now they were getting into this whole like, well, maybe we're the hybrid together. We keep pushing ourselves to do more and more reckless things. You know, we enable each other. Blah, blah, blah. Really? Really? <laughs> That's what this whole ep- whole series is about this season? Really? <laughs> yeah, the hybrid thing I just didn't feel like had any gas by the end of it. Yeah. It's like, oh, it might be the two of us. Oh, it might be Macy Williams, whose Viking name I can never remember. What is she about? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've already forgotten it. What so did it- she. Yeah. yeah, what does she go by? Me? Yes. I, okay. Um, she might be the hybrid. There were two or three other potential hybrids. And in the end, it ultimately didn't matter. Yeah. It was, it was a MacGuffin. It was a MacGuffin to get them to this point, to get the doctor into his confession dial, to, to oh, this is the most important thing in the world. And they wound up never fucking resolving it. Well, I would have been, I just felt like screaming at the TV newsflash. Every single relationship that he has had with any of his companions is not healthy. <laughs> yeah. it's not so to to suddenly say you know we're going to make a, a comment on this <laughs> and that's that's our big reveal that's our big truth for this season it felt weak well yeah and particularly considering yeah you know, we talked about with jessica jones if you want to comment on doctor who jessica jones is doing a better one <laughs> than you know in doctor who itself oh no we may be a hybrid who is a little dangerous whereas over on the internet side of things, it's like, oh no, a magical person who shows up in your bedroom whenever the fuck he wants and <laughs> isolates you from all your friends and says he'll take you places you've never seen and he's the only one who can make you feel like a child again. Don't you think that'd be really fucking creepy if somebody did that? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if that's what they're going for, sorry, man, you got outplayed by Marvel. 
That's not a good sign when Marvel's not doing the Doctor Who story. You know, in that scenario, the the the, the camouflage uh, program on the TARDIS has been stuck in the position of not a police box, but a white van with candy. <laughs> that's not camouflage. <laughs> That's, that's, it is what it is. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel as though, right, one thing that this, this season did right for me was I wanted them to get away from going back to the well with old villains because they, they'd done them to death. Daleks, the master, Cybermen, et cetera. Although we, in we the did, first we, two episodes, didn't we have Daleks? Well, that's why I was, that's what I was saying. Like, can we get, can we get away from like, oh, it's the Daleks again. Ooh, it's. <laughs> right. Um, yes, they did do a, a foray into the Zygons, but that, that was self-contained to the two, um, episodes. The introduction of Macy Williams and her character, I thought was a nice departure from going to the, the well with the old school villains. Like, all right, with this character, we've got someone fairly complex made in a, in a fashion that the doctor didn't think about like, Oh, I've just given this person the possibility of immortality. Um, I'm not thinking it through in terms of what is this going to do to her humanity over time? (laughs) Right. Because apparently the one portion of, of her anatomy that the Mayan technology can't fix is her, her brain. So her memory, she can't hold on to things long term. So I kind of thought that was a nice touch. That was, that was somebody at least sitting down thinking, okay, if you took a regular person and just took away death, how does the rest of the equipment handle that? Yeah. So I thought that was as as much pure hard science fiction as I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Somebody saying, what are the practical effects of this? So I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah. No, I, I don't – I'm not quibbling with it. I thought it was interesting um, because it also – gives you an excuse for why you can't stay in touch with your feelings. If you can't legitimately remember what a particular emotion feels like, then it's hard to conjure that up if you spent so much time going it alone. Sure. <laughs> and we had made the the comment earlier, I don't know if it was this year or in previous season, that the whole purpose of the companion for the doctor is is to help keep him understanding what it means to be compassionate and for lack of a better word human even though he's obviously not human um yeah i did like wasn't there a rumor for a while or wasn't it intimated in some prior season or some movie that oh the doctor may be half human i don't I, I'm sure that's kicked around. I mean, Macy I Williams' character certainly brings that up in the finale this year, which I almost threw shit at the TV. I'm like, yeah, what is but, it, Spock? Yeah, but but he he smacked it right down. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not what this is. Yeah. I, I like that, too. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we don't, we don't know anything about the doctor's parentage or anything like that. We know that he's been a father, <laughs> possibly a mother, but probably a father. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Um, he's, he's mentioned that in, in other episodes. The thing with, with Macy Williams character though, is if they've gone out of their way, cause they, they set it up earlier. Actually, yeah, I, I did talk about this when we talked about the, the season, um, premiere or the first episode or so where, you know, Clara gets chewed out by the doctor for not being human enough, for being reckless, for using other, other human non-player characters <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works um in a, in a way where they're they're bait um and putting their lives in danger which you know she points out is something that he would be willing to do 
Um, and that's where he sort of has to remember, oh, shit, this, uh, the companion is supposed to keep me human. And if they're behaving the same as I, then th- they're not functioning as they need to. Yeah, but that's always been a problem with Clara. Oh, I know. Particularly since Capaldi's been doctor. And we talked about it when we talked about last season's Christmas special and uh, the episode itself, uh, the the season itself. And I think it was Trebuchet who brought up the point. It's like, yeah, they keep writing about Clara to show how she's becoming more about the Doctor. It's like they don't know what to do with the Doctor, so they just keep saying, okay, Clara's more like the Doctor, and we'll just keep focusing on Clara. Well, what, and what I was, where where my mind was going with it this season was they, they seem to be going out of their way with the Doctor to make him behave as as the person who is not going quietly into into their their aging. <laughs> you know, all of the... George Carlin, like you know, <laughs> dust wind dude shit with the sunglasses and the and the guitar and the <laughs> yeah, um, you know he's it's it's not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> um, Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. He's we, we get it. Yeah, you're you're an older version of of this character, or at least you're being played by an older actor, whereas this character has been played by much younger actors for the last several seasons. As writers, you're being very ham-fisted in the I'm having a midlife crisis kind of bullshit. I'm going to hang out with the much younger companion. I'm going to, I'm going to wear sunglasses and strum my guitar because I'm not dead yet. Damn it. (laughs) I'm, you know, and to have this sort of like, snap of of maturity and realization at the end of this season of huh hanging out with this young girl and making bad choices doesn't seem to be a good idea maybe i should wipe her memory yeah because that's that's giving her agency (laughs) number one he's he's done it before with donna oh i know and i don't like it then either that was that was one of the most heartbreaking episodes ever but at, at least at that point you could you could come up with the rationalization that if he didn't do that she was going to explode I go back to scanners. <laughs> okay. Valid point. Whereas here it's, oh, they're going to keep coming at me and coming at me to, to, to find out about the hybrid. Well, you know, you, you could not make it about you. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you yanked her out of her time stream where she, you know, died and wouldn't be able to tell them anything <laughs> because you were feeling selfish because you missed your buddy. <laughs> Yeah, the the midlife crisis thing, it, I feel stupid because I I never picked up on that. But it makes total sense now that you're mentioning it. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm gonna get my guitar, I'm gonna put shades, I'm gonna put the band back together, man. I'm just gonna go on the road with new young pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, certainly they didn't have romantic overtones, but you know. When you have that much of an age gap between your two main characters, it looks a little hanky. Yeah. But yeah, the the midlife crisis thing is not a thing I picked up on. I saw it more, and I want to talk about this more in a little bit, but more as an attempt to just hang some kind of character on Capaldi. Yeah. Because I don't think they did a very good job of it in season eight. No, and and I think that at least yes they were hanging a character on him but it was like they made this decision and then it's like we're just going to we're going to ram this through with all of the subtlety uh- <laughs> <laughs> apparently there was some subtlety I, the the midlife crisis thing didn't occur to me at all yeah, and and how successful that character hanging again i want to talk talk about that in a minute 
one thing I want to talk about, just sort of let's, let's do some nuts and bolts. How did the, the two part episode thing work for you? Cause I like that a lot in general. You get predictable, ready made cliffhangers per arc, you know, each arc by generally making it, you know, it's going to be two episodes. Everything gets a little more room to breathe. You can get some more character, some more plot stuff in there. Cause it, by contrast, I mean, did it, did it generally work for you? Cause the, the one one off, I thought it was a stinker. Which but was the one off the? Uh... It was the uh, the sleep no more. The, oh, the the attempt. Who the fuck sat down at BBC and said, "You know what, Doctor Who's missing a fucking found footage horror movie." <laughs> if I want to see BBC budgeted and found footage fucking horror flicks, I can literally go to Netflix dot com, click in the search bar, and pound my fist on the keyboard, and it'll come up. Yeah, that was that was another case of. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. It was like, huh, our our, our critter, our, our our monster of the week is going to be made out of eye boogers. Okay, so yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and those were those were some spectacularly bad. Like harkens back to like early BBC attempts at special effects, Doctor Who. Yeah, bad. What's well, the thing that got me? And it was the combination of uh, of. The the constant playing of Mr. Sandman, Ugh. it it made me think of Fallout 4, where all these oldies <laughs> just constantly play. Except, yeah, the monsters are better than the fucking eye, eye boogers of doom. <laughs> and it's the whole ending, again, we'll spoil the shit out of it, you know, that the entire episode's supposed to be a video to implant the, the Morpheus virus or signal or whatever the fuck it was into you, the viewer. That's straight out of the ring. You know, if somebody took the ring and removed all the horror and suspense from it, it's just, it didn't. Yeah. So the one time they tried to go for a single episode, it really, it, it didn't work for me. Right. So, I mean, were you okay with the general structure of, of how things went or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I for the most part, I, I like things that, that can be wrapped up um, and contained and not drag on. So in, in terms of pacing for this season, I, I will give... Um, Moffat props for moving things along, although that came back to bite him in the ass with the last two episodes, where it was like, nope, we got to get Gallifrey in there. <laughs> yep, just hammer it in. No yeah, matter get what. it in there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and in a minute, I want to talk about that second to last episode because the more I think about that, the more of a flawed, busted, nobody was thinking piece of shit that thing was. First watching it, it was like gave me a good wallop, but I want to talk about that in a minute. Okay, so. Let's move on to what I think we were all excited about. I was excited about it last season until she realized, oh, shit, Karen Gillan's sitcom got canceled. Maybe I want another year of a paycheck. Uh, <laughs> how are you with Clara leaving? I'm, I'm not sure she's left. Oh, she totally hasn't left. She'll, she will be back. She'll be back next season or the season after. Seriously, it's... Uh... All right, so so right now she's she's living between heartbeats, uh, traveling around in a TARDIS that looks like a diner with an immortal human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, that again, the the whole premise this season of the Doctor having a temper tantrum because he's tired of following the rules after being alive for more than a thousand years. Um, I'm sorry, as you get older, you're supposed to get more, more mature. <laughs> and if, if I guess you suddenly decide at like 1200 or 1400 that, 
that no, this this is the time that I need my my TARDIS to look like a red convertible. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that you're gonna just you know, do things because you can, and who's gonna stop you? Now, right there, that would have been a good reason for for Gallifrey to find its way out of its pocket universe and and put the smack down because the the seemingly the only time lord in existence is now about to break several laws of time yeah that would have been compelling that would have been an interesting tense story well i think that's i think they tried to get to it but i think they got to it at the wrong time well that's what i'm saying like the the structure of of two episode storylines was great right up until um the end where all right you've got gallifrey back too quickly like we didn't this wasn't earned <laughs> this well, that should have been something he saved for next season well okay here's and i'll i'll just float this out there i think there was probably a certain amount of need to get gallifrey in if only because part of the side effect and then something that probably only other time lords can deal with is we fundamentally Clara is for all intents and purposes another doctor right now. Yeah. I mean, a big chunk of particularly last season, but a certain amount of this season was how being around the doctor was making her more like the doctor, act in that way. Yeah. Last season ended with showing that they were both not only willing, but very capable of lying to each other in very complicated ways to save each other's feelings. If you can lie and trick a Time Lord, you've picked up some of his good tricks. What I saw between the two of them was a fairly fucked up father-daughter dynamic by the end. Like, that was... (laughs) I can see that. Like, yeah, she's becoming more like him because she's daddy's girl, and he loves her and will do anything for her like a father. (laughs) Well, I saw, I can see what you're saying. I saw, if we want to take it that way, as much, uh, I learned it from watching you, all right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, taking ridiculous risks and thinking nothing can happen to me. Yeah, sure. The, okay, put put your death tattoo on my neck, because we'll find a way out of this. Then oh, I'm about to fall out of the TARDIS? Oh, that's fucking fun, because I can't <laughs> be killed. Right. But yeah, now she's living in between heartbeats. So until she returns to Gallifrey, she's immortal. Yeah, she's got Maisie Williams, who, <laughs> when we saw her in uh, The Woman Who Lived, was begging the doctor, take me out of here, show me the world. So, willing companion. Yep. They've got a TARDIS. The thing that killed me was, yeah, the, the chameleon chip's broken, so it has to look like a 50s-style diner. diner <laughs> which implies to me, that's what Stephen Moffat thinks is something that's completely invisible in America. <laughs> Because, like, the police box is supposed to be so inobtrusive, and it's everywhere. That's how you don't see it. Ironically, the last time I saw something that kitschy outside of a mall <laughs> yeah. was um, in London, in Golders Green there. <laughs> of course. <laughs> there was a, a 50s-styled um, restaurant where you could get, like, Actually, I don't think it was the spud you like. I think it was. I think it was near the spud you like. <laughs> you don't know about spud you like. I don't do have you? a clue what that is. That's that's where that's a it's a restaurant dedicated solely to what they call jacket potatoes, baked potatoes. You get shit on the back on your baked potato, so that that's that's all they do. It's a potato restaurant. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? I'm me? I'm not kidding. Yeah, spud you <sighs> like. 
All right. Google it later. <laughs> no, I fucking will not. Um, but no, but seriously, it was it was yeah, it was all neoned up and in Golders Green. <laughs> yeah, the last time I saw something like that was Jackrabbit Slims in fucking Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Those things don't exist in America. They might have in the eighties. They don't fucking now. I mean, what would be the best American TARDIS? McDonald's, probably. Except that that's everywhere. That's like global at this point. Yeah, Starbucks. Uh, maybe. Yeah. A telephone pole with earn money at home flyers stuck all over it. <laughs> a mega church if it's the south. Yeah, Jesus. Um, Bus station men's room. <laughs> what? Ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest. What is more quintessentially American than a bus station men's room? <laughs> I ask you. <laughs> no wino with a Dunkin' Donuts cup full of change. <laughs> the Port Authority. <laughs> <laughs> The Port Authority is not American. The Port Authority is the fourth circle of hell. The Port Authority is the DMZ. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, certainly no cops down there. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's more quintessentially American. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, if you know what's more quintessentially American, please write us in. Oh, <laughs> write into us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail dot com. We will hear from all our British <laughs> place where you can become fat, mate. <laughs> Some McDonald's. Oh, my kitchen. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. That was the worst English accent you were this It was. Did it keep you awake? Uh, Did you find yourself nodding off? <laughs> I, I felt safe and warm. <laughs> and if you speed it up by 30% through a haggis. Through a haggis darkly. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. That's a possible title. But uh, I'm wondering if... yeah. So, yeah, we're... Despite the, you know, oh, it's the end of Clara. We're definitely going to see her again because the setup is there for perfect to is is perfect for her to be the Doctor. So maybe, but you know, sometimes they just forget storylines and then they fall off the the face of the universe. They had the the uh, cloned daughter of Tenant's incarnation, Jenny, who. <laughs> Right, who, I remember who that. Who flew off to have adventures and was never heard from again, and that just seemed like a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible this could just go away, but Moffat just clearly loves either writing for Clara or, I don't know, Jenna Coleman might have some truly terrifying photos of Moffat. <laughs> in a bus station men's room with a Starbucks and a yeah. McDonald's because not only did she get two fucking farewell episodes this season yeah you know it, it also leaves the door for her to come back anytime plus her first her first farewell episode was supposed to be last year's Christmas special so she's gotten three fucking farewell episodes yeah j just go don't let the door hit your ass on the way out just go yeah and I'm <laughs> Trying to figure out what is it about this girl, and but that, let Macy Williams come back. She's she's all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. But uh, <laughs> I wonder what's so special about this girl. And then I went back and watched Face the Raven and saw those sweater puppies pointed out as the Raven hit her. And it's okay. I see what's special about her. I get it. I got it now. Yeah, don't let her go. Nah, she can go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was always more of an Amy Pond guy. I got a thing for redheads. Ah, <laughs> to, to get so many tearjerker farewell episodes and then go away i yeah it's i don't feel like she's gone yeah and and we may see them again uh sooner than later i i just feel as though 
they tried to shoehorn in too much. They weren't sure what they wanted to say until it was too late. And they squandered some opportunities for some meaningful storytelling. If the doctor is truly breaking the rules, then who holds him accountable? How does he learn? Um, if, if the companion isn't there to, to give him a foil, then, then who is left? Also, you've created this character of a, me, a shield whatever, who, who could be a perfect catalyst for him to, to teach. <laughs> um, and, and to, to remember all of the rules and why those rules are important. And, and instead, he, he just sort of leaves her alone. Like, if, if this had been earlier, like if, if if Captain Jack <laughs> had just been left the fuck alone, <laughs> yeah, I, I did like in this season that he at least got a name check. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm just saying, two or three reincarnations ago, Ashilda would have been no further than arm's length from the Doctor because he needed he would have needed to make sure that she wasn't fucking up time. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I I can see that. But to play devil's advocate, I think. The whole, cause see, again, it comes back to, I think they were trying to hang character things on him. You know, the, it was, it was the tagline, uh, just, you know, the, I, I'm the doctor and I save people was the tagline for the season and all the, the marketing for it and all the advertising for it. Yeah. That was the big thing. And yeah, it sounds great, except it immediately bit him in the ass. It's like, here, you're immortal. And then the next episodes, yep, uh, I'm immortal and I'm not around anybody and I'm going to betray you. And I'm going to sell you out to the Galfreyans, and I'm going to be a potential nemesis, an antagonist to you. Yeah. I think that was part of his learning of, oh, yeah, okay, if I'm going to break the rules. And he, th- right as soon as he did it, he's like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was, <laughs> that was, that was against a whole lot of rules. Yeah. But hopefully it'll work out. Uh, no, no. And, and you, and, and that's just, it's, there was uncharacteristic, several uncharacteristic uncharacteristic moments the doctor exhibited this season that we would not have seen with previous incarnations of the doctor there's there's that level of recklessness and and there's always been a level of recklessness but this willingness to do things that could break time we we had not seen really um the the fact that he punched another character in the face in the finale <laughs> Fuck that. The fact that and he took a gun. He took a gun and shot a guy if in the if fucking a, chest. If there's a character who is less likely to carry a gun, um, it's Batman. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like all of a sudden Frank Miller wrote Doctor Who. Like oh, Jesus. Like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> if Frank Miller wrote Doctor Who, he would say, Oh, I'm a limey fruit, now you want to surrender. And then Batman kicks him in the face. <laughs> says, Go America. Boo Islam. <laughs> Don't let Frank write Doctor Who. <laughs> At this point, I'm not sure Frank should write anything longer than his own name. I'm not sure Frank can. Well, all right. There's rumors, but we don't truck in that here. But, but you were about to say. But yeah, it's it, it it works as shorthand. Have the Doctor not only have a gun, but shoot somebody. It's half-decent shorthand to show how far he's willing to go to save Clara and the depths of his feelings for him. But it is also fucking lazy because mm-hmm. it does require the Doctor to betray everything we've ever known about him. The doctor does not use a gun. Not only does the doctor not use a gun, is that not common knowledge? Stephen Moffat, who wrote that episode, had everyone in the fucking Gallifreyan military say the doctor is unarmed. Yeah. The doctor does not use a gun. 
and the doctor does not kill. No. Sure, he asked the general what regeneration he's on, so that's sort of a cheat to be able to say, oh, he's not really shooting him, but he still put two in the guy's chest. He still knocked him one step closer to his fucking dirt nap. Yeah. But I think you're dead right. It's like if, it's like having Batman shoot a guy. It makes a statement, but there are other ways to make that same statement without betraying the character completely. Yeah, and it just... I get that, for whatever reason, the Doctor is really hung up on Clara. He's been really hung up on other other companions. And yeah, did you see those sweater puppies when she arched her back? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> They, they they were they were a nice handful because more than a handful is just greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an American. <laughs> I'm greedy. <laughs> Let's get you to a McDonald's stat. <laughs> I've gone too far. Anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with any of this um, because you interrupted with sweater puppies again. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying I'm not sure the infatuation that the doctor has with Clara, but clearly there's one there. Y- yeah, because based on. The, the betrayal of the doctor's own character to use a gun to try and save her. To yank her out of a fixed point in time. It, just this whole season-long tantrum of, of midlife crisis. I, why do I have to do this? Why does it have to be me? Why, 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 why? Because you're the doctor. Nut up. Like, just <laughs> Well, you want my God's honest opinion. While I liked Capaldi better this season, and I want to talk a, a little bit about that coming up, um, I think his his days are numbered. I think what we're seeing in this final episode is a serious trial balloon for the next doctor being a woman. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, we saw when the doctor, (laughs) when the doctor fucking shot the guy, he regenerated as a woman Mm -hmm. to show, yep, this is a thing that can happen. Have we ever seen that before in any other season or episode? We have, um, I'm not sure how we could. Well, we have because the master's missy now. No, there you go. Okay. So it's just reinforcing it. But and then yeah, we've got Clara and Maisie Williams flying around as pseudo doctors. Doctor Light. <laughs> Doctor Light. Doctor Light's totally different. Yeah. Sorry, DC. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even say Doctor Light because that that diminishes them. Um, I, I would say as as yeah as new travelers in time. Um, and they have their their shiny diner. <laughs> their, their their shiny stolen diner with an immortal. <laughs> Yeah. And at least a human woman who was human once. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's Well, and Macy gets what she Macy Macy's character gets what she wanted. She gets, you know, it's it's kind of in a way reminiscent of when uh there was the sort of semi-human uh doctor clone in Tenants run that got to live in the parallel universe with Rose, like her consolation prize. Okay. Yeah. So, if if Clara, Clara is becoming like the doctor in in all ways except for being actually the doctor, then Ashilda gets what she wants because now she has someone who has the doctor's knowledge who can tutor tutor her. Right. And show her what it means to to really do this. Yeah. But it's I think it's we're going to see them again as a, I think I think they're walking up to the the precipice of Doctor Who being a woman. Who would you want to see as as a female Doctor Who. Tilda Swinton. I can see that. It's not going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be. <laughs> totally won't but be. But I mean, right off the top of my head, I would like it to be Tilda Swinton. Otherwise, I I, I think it depends. I, I like the idea of an, an older actor or actress, um, maybe a Helen Mirren. That'd be all right. She's also said that she wanted to do it. 
<laughs> yeah, but it won't be, and I'll tell you why. They can't afford her. <laughs> well, yeah, they. Well, I don't know. All that Jeremy Clarkson Top Gear money is suddenly free. That's true. <laughs> you know, pl- plus the reserve money to settle his lawsuits when he punches somebody or says something horrible. Yeah, but no. Miranda Richardson would be all right too. Um, yeah, but from a nut cutting standpoint, when was the highest popularity of this show? Um. When you had a nice young Matt Smith doctor Ugh. to get all the young girls excited. Yeah, it's about so when I started checking out. Yeah, you're not going to have a middle-aged or, or even probably late 30s female doctor. You know what it's going to be? I guarantee it. Fucking Maisie Williams. That would be all right. Because in because they also made the point of 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 trying to get into why did I pick this face? Why did I pick this exactly. face? Exactly. And the girl who died, we saw that he can choose his appearance based on someone he's seen. Yeah. Well, that that goes back. That's canon. That goes way back. Uh, there was a character Astra, who was in Tom Baker's run, and there was a, a female time lord called Romana, and she was played by a partic- particular actress. And then when she reincarnated, she came out with Astra's face. And so this was like, oh, you can pick, huh? <laughs> like, okay. So it's it's not just then. It's so yeah, it's, it's long term canon. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, showing that you know fix the weird little continuity error of they cast Peter Capaldi and some previous what was it the the Pompeii, the Pompeii episode? episode yeah. So yeah, but it it also lays that groundwork that he can choose to take her face. Yeah, but also Macy Williams was really fucking good. She was. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was neat stunt casting, but yeah, she did a very Game of Thrones Arya like innocent in the girl who died to being completely self assured in the woman who lived and faced the raven to being damn near fearsome in the finale. Yeah, did she showed a lot of range. Yeah. And and for a guest actress, now she was in what, a third of the episodes? She was in at least four or five of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot of chances to number one plant the face in everybody's consciousness as being a big part of Doctor Who, but I can think of worst auditions. Yeah, I mean and Game of Thrones is gonna end someday. <laughs> it's Game of Thrones. Clearly she was available for five episodes. They may have you know, we're talking truncated seasons on two series. She might be able to handle that workload. Yeah. It still amounts to twenty six episodes of television, which American television actors and actresses do all year long. Right. No, I, w- I would love to see her as the doctor. That'd be all right. Yeah, that's my guess. That's my she's prediction. She's tiny, though. Like, every time she's next to Capaldi, and I don't know if he's just particularly tall, she's tiny. <laughs> that's all right. Sonic screwdriver adds six inches. <laughs> <laughs> and as an American, like my gun adds... <laughs> We're talking about two different things. Okay, yeah. See, you're going down the rabbit hole again. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so there were things to like about this season. I, I liked it better than last season. Um, I liked that they got away from, from classic old school villains other than in, in the cases where we saw them. <laughs> <laughs> I love they did this thing, except for the times they didn't. Yeah, well, it's just, but they were willing to at least sometimes not. Sure. <laughs> I just, I'm troubled by the, the ham-fistedness in which they... We're trying to to hammer home this sudden midlife crisis that the doctor was going through because they chose to cast him older. That's it. Just it felt like it lacked nuance. It felt like they they missed opportunities for storytelling. Well, it, like I said before, it does feel like, 
and it's felt for a couple of years like they don't quite know what to do with them. Yeah. Like they, they added those traits, like the guitar and everything, but it felt like they did that because they didn't know what else to do. Yeah. You know, the guitar, uh, sure, Peter Capaldi plays guitar, so that's something that makes a certain amount of sense. Sonic sunglasses are so fucking goddamn stupid. Yeah, well, those were gone by the end. Those went off with, with, uh, me and Clara. Right. But it's, it's like having a Jedi Knight with a light headband, light visor. <laughs> light apple watch just oh no it's like this thing but it's totally different it's a thing nobody wants right now if they were doing it as a way to give a sonic device to dr light clara okay fine that's okay <laughs> uh, whatever but yeah, we spent a long season with it and it, yeah. just, it felt like okay yeah affectations as opposed to character right you know he seemed a little more likely to become angry this season instead of confused and overly literal like last season but that's really not a great thing necessarily i mean what are all the classic questions you're supposed to ask as you're developing a character like what does the character want you know who do they love what do they fear <laughs> yeah and it's as though they didn't get around to doing any of that until they had the very specific confessional episode <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> do, do you, l let's talk about that episode okay. for a minute. Cause it, it's like they remembered suddenly, oh, shit, that's right. We should have considered all of this before we started writing this season. <laughs> they should have considered a lot of shit before they started writing that episode. Number one, I don't think I buy the whole conceit that the High Council was was using whatever this, the, the confession dial, you know, to get information about the High... Nothing in that really makes sense if you stop and think about it. And that's yeah. the problem. It was pretty affecting, you know, when you hear, you know, 7,000 years, 12,000, it's like, oh my God. But it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. We establish in the episode, the doctor tells us the castle does self maintenance. Yeah. The doctor tells us this. We see it happen. Bloodstains disappear. Hallways reset. But the one but weird. Some, somehow that diamond wall doesn't reset itself. It just gives him all the time in the world. It's not even a diamond wall. It's supposed to be harder than diamond. Yeah. Now, I am willing to believe, uh, let's say, let's figure he did his whole cycle to get from I just got here to I need to punch. Let's say it takes a week. That means, and let's say he punches it five times because that's what it kind of looked like before yep. the thing put its hands on him. So that means he's punching this wall that's harder than diamond with his bare hands 250 times a year. Now, he's doing that for a billion years. I believe that if you punch something harder than diamond that many times, you would have 250 billion broken fucking hands, and that wall wouldn't have gone anywhere. It might have been a quirk of Gallifreyan anatomy. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, okay. Maybe he's got two bones in the knuckle of his right fist. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know and didn't they, didn't they say he got out toward the end of the universe? Yeah. That means that... The High Council left him in this thing for a billion years. How fucking long do you need to wait to hear about the hybrid? Four and a half billion years, I mean, if the actually. universe is almost over, at what point do you say, hey, guys, you know, it's only a few years until the heat death of the universe. We haven't seen the hybrid. I Ma think we won. Yeah. We haven't seen the hybrid. Maybe it's not coming. Yeah. Why, why, don't we, <laughs> why don't we let the war hero who saved our planet out of this torture device and get him a taco or something? I think we're going to be okay for a few years. Parade, maybe? <laughs> Settle for a taco. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Rassilon was always a dick. He was always imperious and shit. But they, again, they just took character traits 
like and just amplified them <laughs> apropos of nothing now i'm going to make people shoot this war hero like no <laughs> yeah but <laughs> But again, this is because they, they took shortcuts with the storytelling and didn't spend any time trying to develop what was going on. Like, they could have had some conversations, maybe some dialogue. <laughs> well, okay. But forget all of that for Throw a minute. Throw some exposition in there. Let, let's talk about the biggest nobody was fucking thinking, everyone was asleep at the switch thing about that episode. So at the end of every cycle, the doctor uses himself as a source of power and is completely used up to create this new copy mm -hmm. and dies. Why <laughs> did he not regenerate? regenerate? Yeah. And, and they say it's nothing but a copy coming out of the teleporter, so it's, it's another doctor. So he's killing himself to take a whack at it. He should be regenerating every time. He should be, but the one question that they didn't answer that Rassilon asked him was how many regenerations did we give you? <laughs> it doesn't matter if well no there, there might there the well might be dry there may not be <laughs> i suppose that's that's potentially accurate but it's it's a question that i had it's a question anybody should have oh the doctor died and now he's bone is he done because I, I think they addressed it in day of the doctor or time of the doctor yeah because we know it's not the last one so unless they got to do another you know Day of the Doctor kind of, you know, trick to say, oh, one more. Yeah, which they, they could do. They did that with the Master for years. Yeah, he should have regenerated every time. He, he should have. Would, he wouldn't have needed a billion years. He would have needed, like, maybe a year. At the end, he got 250 Doctors. One distracts the Lurker while the rest is found out. <laughs> the, the rest, fuck my fists, I'll bring the shovel. That might have a chance. <laughs> the one tool in the entire castle, and he doesn't use it. Yeah, and it's emotionally affecting. Sure, the episode was, but it was only affecting in that, oh, God, a billion years. But he must really love her. Yeah, but the minute you stop and think, it's like, no, this is stupid. They've, they've walked over a whole bunch of things. The one thing I liked about it was with no Clara, we focused on the doctor. Right. Which has been few and far between for the last couple of years. Yeah, and again, now we are suddenly getting to, huh, what does the character want? What, <laughs> what does the character fear? What... <laughs> Well, and that's the problem. That's what the whole thing was. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the, the the final episode, you know, I liked it fine, but it it was about as as English as a cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a western, and that's fine. But you now, if I'm British and watching it, <laughs> you know, particularly with everything Moffat's done, oh, my first season with Matt Smith, we're gonna put him in America. Yeah, we're gonna have the doctor in his last meeting with Clara, an American <laughs> that, that every street corner American fifties diner. Well, I mean, going back to to America, at first I'm just like, all right, so are they in the area that the Zygons had been colonizing from the previous episode? All right, here we have seemingly Clara alive. Is it a Zygon? <laughs> oh no, it was Nevada, USA. Yeah. Five get you ten. It was supposed to be around the corner from Area Fifty One. A wink and a nod. Sure. Um. So then, as the season, as the episode progresses, you get the impression, oh, maybe he does save her, and then he had to wipe her memory because that's what the doctor did with Donna. And then you get the double blind at the end of Nope. In fact, it's the doctor who's lost his memory, and he doesn't know who he's talking to. Right. Which, which allows Clara and 
what's her face, Maisie Williams, to just go off in their TARDIS. Yeah. The smile on their face, the song on their heart, and a spin-off in Stephen Moffat's back pocket. If only a way to get a new female doctor who's hopefully under some kind of contract, because she would be fucking awesome. The, the elevator pitch was, what if Thelma and Louise had a TARDIS? <laughs> <laughs> they hold hands as they dive into the black hole. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, there were things to like this season, but there were still problems. Yeah, it's look, <laughs> as much as I had fun and a gleeful look on my face it, tearing apart that second to last episode, I like this season better than last season. I agree. Yeah, it, it was, I think, more Doctor-centric, at least in trying to focus on the Doctor more, but it was still wicked overloaded with Clara Service. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was as overloaded as last season, which, yeah, I think was really, this show is called Doctor Who, but it's about this woman who's with Doctor Who and how being with him affects her. Right. Which, again, is still being done far more effectively on <laughs> Jessica Jones than Doctor yeah. Who's done in two seasons. <laughs> um, And, you know, yeah, as, as flawed as... Heaven sent that second to last episode was. Yeah, at least we spent time with him. It gave him a showcase that he should fucking have and not need in his own fucking show. Right, when you could hear him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking for that's a sad thing. As soon as it ended and Clara went off, I'm like, all right, well, we're going to spend some time alone with this guy. And then we see what the Christmas special is and they just bring River Song back. Yeah. Now, to see River Song interact with this guy, because I, I saw an interview with, at least this sounds interesting, an interview with Stephen Moffat. Uh, on the internet earlier today where he said that River Song has no idea that this is the doctor. Hmm. She was only familiar with him up to the Matt Smith regeneration. So the idea that she's around the doctor and he knows it and she doesn't, that could be kind of fun. Yeah. So, and I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what they do next season. Yeah. You know, Please tell me he, he got this foolishness out of his system. <laughs> well, I'm hoping Shona comes back. She was the movie nut. She was awesome. Yeah, in the uh, in last year's Christmas special, who was clearly being set up to be the companion. Right. Until Clara decided she wanted to come back. Until, yeah. So if she's not under contract somewhere else, give her a shot for Christ's sake. She Absolutely. Was right. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, overall, I liked it better than the previous season. There's some stuff to look forward to. Because, yeah, I think the Clara focus for a couple years now has been kind of detrimental to the show as a whole. Well, I'd like them just to sort of rethink what they're doing with the companions because for for a while now, the focus has been often more on the companions than on the Doctor. I think you could make that argument with Amy and Rory even. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I feel as though it was better balanced in the years where we had Martha and Donna, I feel that, that River got overused. Martha and Donna, you know, and, and Rose up to a point. Yeah, dude. Amy Pond, the introduction with the Doctor was in childhood. So the idea that the Doctor was a huge part of her life and therefore there's a certain amount of hero worship built into the relationship. Yeah. I, I think was kind of detrimental. Yep. And detrimental sort of almost in a reverse way from, oh, not only is this the new companion, but Clara Oswald has been with all the doctors throughout history. She's been a major part of 
of every single one of them and everything they've ever done. And you know, it, it would be nice to see the doctor just meet someone who's kind of cool and has a mind of their own. Yeah, that would be great. So Sign me up. <laughs> but then who will make my cheeseburgers? <laughs> uh, then you're going to have to learn now, aren't you? You have a George Foreman grill. I think you can figure it out. Yeah, all right. I can handle that. Grill, you clever boy. If you... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. If you go into space and you don't take me. <laughs> All right. That, anything on the whole. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the season. Uh, definitely had some holes in it. Yes. But at least now with the clean break that we thought we were getting last year, maybe we can see something different. We're going to hope for a, the best. With a different companion. Hope for the best. All right. You want to talk about a couple comics? Let's do that. All right. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's talk about Scarlet Witch number one. All right. Scarlet Witch number one, written by James Robinson, art by uh, Vanessa Del Rey. Yeah. Scarlet Witch has a sweet new house in lower Manhattan, and she's haunted by the ghost of one of her former friends. And she's on the hunt for magical threats to humanity, but she's doing it by stopping street-level magical threats. And she's got a new, shorter cloak that is an affront to... <laughs> Her old floor-length duster cloak she wore back in the day. It's really kind of familiar somehow. It's as though I... Oh, what else do we have in our polls this week? Hi, Constantine the Hellblazer. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, this is another one where I felt like my observation was slipping. Until you mentioned, it's like, oh, yeah, Jesus, there's Constantine all over this thing. And I went back and reread it. I missed it. But yeah, this this whole thing... And it's not a terrible thing because I like... John Constantine. There yeah. are worse things you can say. Uh, let me try to make some parallels with this. But yeah, it's the parallels are everywhere in this book. Yeah. Well, and, and the 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 one thing that like in the back of my mind, I'm like, huh, she's haunted by a ghost. She's talking to Agatha. Maybe it's not really a ghost. Maybe she's going to lose her mind again. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, but even that, you know. <laughs> There's a question as to whether Constantine is really haunted by people, yeah. you know, particularly early on, or is he just still shaky from Newcastle? Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah. I mean, it's a, the parallels are all over the place. You know, oh, she's acting as a loner, doing street-level stuff. Yeah, she does things very pragmatically. You know, she doesn't go to the cop and say, you have a problem and I need to help. It's like, no, let me just sort of isolate you and now here's the thing I'm going to do to you. Right. Which is kind of thing John Constantine it, totally would do. the kind of thing John Constantine would do yeah um the problem itself that she's facing you know a facet of life uh in the the big city is causing an adverse magic reaction that's very old school hellblazer i find myself thinking of honestly the first issue of hellblazer uh where the whole 80s thatcher london yep. greed is good uh, mentality was being fed on by a gluttony demon. Yep, so it yep. reminded me of that. Yeah, she's haunted by one of her victims, uh, haunted by her prior failures, like I said, with Constantine and Newcastle. So the parallels are all over the place. Um, yeah, even down to uh, Robinson is stripping away really any... Over the years, they tried to come up with all kinds of weird scientific bases for... Well, since they've decided she's no longer a mutant because they had to free her up for the Avengers. Yeah. Um, now it feels as though she's an actual witch witch as opposed to an inhuman or anything else. Well, yeah, when I... Is, is, this, an, uh, is this an outcome of Secret War? Is there on one of the multiverse planets a, a, a planet where Wanda was actually a witch and then she's the one that survived at the end of this? Like <laughs> well, Over the years, they've done a ton of stuff with, with her powers. And I've said this before, my 
first comic book when I was five years old was a Marvel team up with Spider-Man and Scarlet Witch. Now, I'm not the world's biggest Scarlet Witch fan, but that means that's the second superhero I ever <laughs> read about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's initially her power was to affect probability. Right. Uh, Hex magic is what they called it. Yeah, but then it was chaos magic. So she could make strange things happen. And then she could affect the universe all around her, which is how you get into uh, Avengers Disassembled and House of M. M. So now it's just, nah, you know what? She's just a witch. Fuck it. She's an inhuman witch. She does witchcraft. (laughs) And that witchcraft, the, the feminist female magic angle could be something very different for this book than from Hellblazer or Doctor Strange if Robinson does anything with it. He, he Except that even with this as it is now, it doesn't feel all that different from the all new, all different, except it's not Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's he pays big lip service to this about witchcraft being a feminist form of magic that scares men. And then he immediately stops talking about it while she goes off and just saves a grateful policeman. <laughs> yes. So playing into the the feminist angle of it could have some juice if if something actually happens with it. Right now there's some lip service toward it, but nothing's happening with it. Right. So I, I guess we're going to see how, how it plays out over the next few issues. I do like the art. Um, I, I like what Vanessa Del Rey is doing with, with the art. Oh, yeah. It's uh, kind of sketch-like, a little bit abstract. You know, Coloring-wise, it's got that this limited muddy palette except for the red in Wanda's costume yep. and the pink when she uses her power. Unfortunately, this book has the cutest dead cat I've ever seen in a comic <laughs> book or not. But, but yeah, it's a, I, I think the art style matches. A, it's... Yeah, you're down and dirty in New York City with street-level magic. It's kind of art we want to see. Yeah, and I want to like the book. I just, I can't not compare it to Constantine. It's just... <laughs> well, yeah, particularly based on just the one issue. Like I said, he Robinson's laying some groundwork where there could be something different there, you know, particularly on the feminist angle, but he hasn't done anything with it yet. But the other problem is, there. like I said, there are worse things than being similar to Hellblazer. I like Hellblazer. Right. I kind of like the idea of Scarlet Witch going from being an Avenger to, okay, I'm just working the streets of New York City, and now I have to interact with people, half of whom think I'm a danger to myself and the world at large. There's a ton of story juice in that. But the problem is, he's already sort of intimating that she's going to head off now, despite the first third of the book literally being, I love being in New York City and I love my house. I can look down and I can see all the auras and see what's going on. But she also says, and I will go anywhere to anywhere in the world, to any world in order to save the the danger to witchcraft. And the promo page for the next issue at the end of it, it's a map. So it already looks like she's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I tried to guess where it was. The problem is... There are coordinates on the map, and I looked them up, and they actually point to a spot in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea between Greece and Turkey. Really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you believe those coordinates, she will be going to the water, I guess. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's an island there? I don't... Yeah, it's possible, but don't try to read the map. It says I... Therasia and Astronis Sea. I don't know. I suppose it could Frontier. be. Yeah, these have a sort of Mediterranean-flavored 
fake name kind of thing going on. <laughs> but uh, my point of, you know, former Avenger who literally had to live in, in almost a tower at some point because she was so fragile and yeah. unable to handle reality. Yeah, okay, I have to work on my own. I'm choosing to work on my own, which the character says in the book. Yeah, there there could be some real juice to that. There, there could be. I, I guess, you know, it's, it's it's too soon to say, but... Yeah, it just, it felt very much like a story we had already seen. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, if, if you're going to compare it to, say, even Doctor Strange, uh, no offense, Robinson, Del Rey, but, man, if you got Jason Aaron and Chris Boccolo doing something that lets Boccolo do his old shade, the changing man, weird madness in the street style. Yeah. You're going to kind of second on that dude. I, I hate to say it. I love Starman. I like the art in this book, but yeah, it's, I think, I think if they play up the, I was an Avenger, now I'm on my own and I don't know how to deal with it quite as well. And maybe. Too late, Jessica Jones? Yeah. Well, okay. There's no new story <laughs> under the sun. I'm trying to find a way to be really psyched about this book as opposed to, yeah, it's not a bad one and done. It's a decent introduction to a new direction, which may change in the next issue. Yeah. Although even with Constantine, when they when they started him over again at number one, um, yeah, he started in New York and then went to London and came back. So it's the same sort of all right, we're starting in New York and then we're leaving and we might come back. <laughs> yeah, well, the question as to whether John Constantine should be in New York is a whole different one. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about that? <laughs> all right. Yeah, anything else about Scarlet Witch? For no, I mean, I think it's I think it's a worthwhile read. I just I just don't know how. Robinson's going to differentiate it from Constantine and or Doctor Strange beyond the fact that it's a female protagonist which is which is fair enough and he could he could use that he's shown some intimation that he can use it one thing uh, that he's already done is Scarlet Witch 1 is better than Constantine the Hellblazer 7 um, <laughs> uh, written by James Tinney and the fourth and Ming Doyle uh, art by Brian Level and Riley Rossmo um, so yeah, it's uh, we've talked about this book before. We're at the level with Constantine's relationship with Oliver, where he's starting to, you know, get at least a little bit. Everyone's staying over with each other to to that level of serious. When, yeah, Swamp Thing arrives to tell John that there's something in Central Park killing teenagers, and for some reason that seems to be a problem. And he can't get anybody else to help. So yeah, so <laughs> John goes to Central Park, and bad shit happens. Yes. So, so yeah, it's like I said. Once you pointed it out to me. There are a lot of parallels between this issue and Scarlet Witch 1. Yep. You know, it's a John you know, realizing he needs to work alone, coming to that conclusion that he really shouldn't have people around him. There's something in New York threatening the flow of magic. In this issue, it's increasing it. It's decreasing in the Scarlet Witch. Uh, both are one-and-done stories about a particular symptom of that greater threat. Uh, both characters are quickly drawn to the source of the disturbance. Uh, the major difference between what Constantine does... And what Scarlet Witch does, uh, John Constantine has fuck all to do with the re with the resolution of the nymph threat <laughs> in this episode. He does nothing. He's useless. He's totally unaware of it until Swamp Thing tells him about it. Swamp Thing brings him to where it's happening. John bungles into the nymphs completely by accident. He's taken a leak when the nymph finds him. He's almost literally caught with his fucking pants down. Yeah. The entirety of John's solution until Swamp Thing gets there is to burn down Central Park. <laughs> <laughs>
for all John does in this issue, Swamp Thing would have better served sending the local firebug who sets building on fire and jacks off while he's watching than send John Constantine. Yeah. And yet John keeps that general arrogant attitude, but the problem is here it makes him look like fucking Jack Burton instead of Harry <laughs> Dresden. Thank you. That was what I was trying to put my finger on. Wait, wait, where have we seen this before? Oh, right. <laughs> Jack Burton. <laughs> John doesn't even notice that the nymphs are green for fuck's sake. Yeah. For all the skills he shows in this issue, for this month at least, I'm a better magician than John Constantine. <laughs> I saw the bitch was green. That set off an alarm bell. <laughs> Wow, those are some really cool-looking cosplayers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does nothing. He's useless in this issue. Yeah, really. All right, so straight to the stabbing then. Yeah, that's very Jack Burton. All right, let's do this. Let's yeah. Ah! <laughs> Half expecting him to like fire a gun and not know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> now, to be fair, it's a one-and-done. Swamp Thing is supposed to be the driving force behind this. Um, it, it does feel, I think, rightly like an interstitial issue. You know, yes. establish the deepening relationship with Oliver just in time for him to become a boy hostage. Yes. Uh, but also including John's you know, apparent willingness to chuck it to keep him safe, you know, just based on what Swamp Thing tells him to do. Uh, establish that there's a major magical threat that's going to be an issue at some point in the future. Um, and have just enough conflict thrown in to, you know, Keep it interesting enough to feel like you're okay charging three bucks for the chapter. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, I my biggest interest is what's going to happen next now because you've brought Papa Midnight back and, and Oliver is about to realize the level of, oh shit, this is why I shouldn't have gotten together with this guy. Yeah, but he should have realized it anyway. Uh, the other thing that bothered me about this issue, there were some things that felt like real tonal missteps. Yeah, so... so Oliver notices, oh, there's vines growing in your shower. And John just calls to Swamp Thing and he has Swamp Thing reconstitute himself in front of Oliver. Now, I may have missed an issue or two of this, but I, I'm not sure John should be comfortable enough with Oliver at this point to mention that plant people might be erupting from the plumbing. Um, or is that just the level of, of, of John's arrogance where it's like, ah, zero fucks given. Either he's with this or he's not. Yeah, maybe. But that also applies to John brings Swamp Thing on the subway. John, well, and Swamp Thing was unhappy about it. Well, yeah, but John has never be this new incarnation or he shouldn't be the kind of guy who, who'd be comfortable being in a viral video with a plant elemental. It takes some of the mystery out of it, you know? You know who he knows. Right. <laughs> you know where he takes him. It takes away the sense of mystery. Maybe they he... should have gotten an Uber. <laughs> 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 yeah, all right. <laughs> Let's Uber X this. <laughs> I'm a plant elemental, bitch. We're going to Uber black it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, just uh, there were weird tonal choices. And wait, uh, no, I'm sorry. Now I can't get it out of my head. They're standing on a corner. No, we're we're looking for a Honda. Um, it's gonna end in license plate zero five two. <laughs> <laughs> the the license plate is Joker. Oh shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, art wise, similar to Scarlet Witch. Uh, Rosmos finishes a similar kind of thing, a little bit sketch like. Uh, a little bit stylized, so it's it's a good fit for a magic book. the The problem is, and this is not a 
Rosmo's or Level's fault. I am never going to get used to John Constantine looking this fucking boyish. Yeah. It's, it, I get that. And the coat gets shorter every issue. Like, first it was, okay, we're not going to have the full-length trench anymore. It's a three-quarter. Okay, irritating, but whatever. And now it seems to be like almost like at his hip. Yeah, it's a it's a brown J Crew windbreaker. It's like the magically shrinking jacket. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the coat should be a trench coat, goddammit. It should be. But. Should be even Burb. You know they were saying. I, I they were saying back when they were trying to justify it. Like, Nobody wears this anymore. Nobody, the, yes, there's there's a whole like fashion line called Burberry. And you know what they you know what they specialize in. Trench coats. <laughs> yeah, it, it's classic. It's always supposed to have been, particularly when, uh, when Alan Moore created them. You know, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. You know, you dress like the straights so you can move through the world without attracting too much attention. Yeah, you don't wear skinny jeans and. and yeah, and <laughs> and he became more rumpled in working class, particularly once Garth Ennis got his hands on him. But that was always part of the impetus. It's uh, you know, I can move among you and you don't know. Right. So yeah, and uh, look, I'm I'm old now, <laughs> perhaps because let's face it, John Constantine here looks, you know, and I I get Alan Moore based him on Sting, but that was in 1985. I watched Constantine age with me for 30 years. Yeah, I'm not gonna get used to Master Mage John Constantine looking like just last year he aged out of One Direction. It just doesn't <laughs> seem right. So maybe those the One Direction kids are wearing skinny jeans and and fake <laughs> and, trenches, and fake trench coats. You know, maybe they're. I, I could be that out of touch, but I don't know. It just doesn't look like it doesn't look like a man who would say, "I'm a nasty piece of work." Ask anybody. Just doesn't feel right to me. I I agree with you. I get it's a conscious choice, but you know, oh John, yeah, no, don't come to my rescue because then you'd ask me to buy you beer. <laughs> You're going to get ID'd. <laughs> so, yeah, in general, uh, it's tough. In general, I, I've enjoyed Constantine the Hellblazer. You know, the, the problem is I, I feel like the, the Constantine book with uh, that the Ray Fox was writing really was hitting its stride. It was getting there, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's just a ton of stuff in this issue that just is not flying for me. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Swamp Thing. Meet my boyfriend, and then let's let's get on the tea. Uh, the, the subway. I, I think they. I don't think they call it the tea in New York. Well, in Boston, it's the tea, and either way, you don't get on with fucking Swamp Thing for Christ's sake. No, no, that's generally considered poor form. Yeah. I mean, did you have any different opinions about this book? I've sort of been ranting the whole time we've been talking about it, but the only thing I could think of was he allowed the whole viral video thing as a, a way to increase. He's doing this whole like you know mage for hire thing like we got into do you know what a website is why don't you have a website let's get you a website (laughs) in previous um so if he's looking at this as as built-in um publicity to to drum up more work (laughs) okay all right i I suppose i can buy into it (laughs) no but then that seems like awfully savvy for somebody who didn't know how to like make the internet work for him as as an advertising device yeah that's a that's a hell of a learning curve and and i'm sorry that i might get it that might make sense i said i can't buy into it i I can't i don't disagree it it doesn't work for me it's you know oh it would help my business what your business of walking the shadows the it's this kind of character and this may be the first of this kind of character yeah, we're going back to 1985 with this kind of street-level magic. But uh, this kind of character 
No, the people who need you find you. And, yeah. And, and that tenet has worked, yeah, from here to Harry Dresden to... The A-Team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, goddammit, the fucking A-Team. <laughs> if you've got a swamp thing and no one else can help, and if you can find them. <laughs> you can call in the Constantine. <laughs> What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Constantine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this has generally been not a bad book. Um, the, this issue just, yeah, like I said, it, it felt interstitial at best uh, with some real clunker moments at worst. Scarlet Witch 1 was better than this. And Scarlet Witch was trying to be at least a version of this character. Yeah. And that's really not a good sign. That not all the issues of Constantine the Hellblazer have been like this, but yeah, this one just didn't work for me. But can we just take a moment now that we've we've like put the A team like on the table? <laughs> we just take a moment and and just think how glorious it would have been if there was like a whole sequence of panels where Swamp Thing was arguing with John about getting on the subway, and and then they had to like put something in some milk to drug him and knock <laughs> him out and get him on the subway. <laughs> I getting on a subway. Come on, get on the subway, mate. <laughs> Drink this milk. <laughs> Again, you're making me do the worst British accent in human history. It's either that or we're going to have to wait for an Uber. <laughs> uh, it's a Nissan Rogue. License plate ending in 50Q. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else on this? Or, I can't uh, make this app work. <laughs> the, the GPS doesn't work here in the... In the city, it thinks we're in a tunnel. <laughs> John, I keep pressing the button, but yeah, it's because your fingers are plant. It's not going to work on an iPhone. <laughs> you need a flip phone. Somehow an Uber app on a flip phone. <laughs> Somehow that's dumber than the idea of Swamp Thing with a cell phone. Or on a subway. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I'm, we've lost control of this. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Or, no, I think that's uh, it. I think we're about done for this week. So, all right. Once again, as usual, not sure where you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. We don't do nearly as much with that as we should, but now that things are calming down, we, we're at least we going to pay more attention to it. Either way, we'll always get a message that you send to us from it. It's facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes, and if that is your preferred podcast delivery system of choice, do us a favor and uh, give us a review, shoot us a rating. It helps new people find the show. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, and you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And I think that is it. Did I miss anything? No, that's it. All right, so this has been episode 94 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Now, Oliver, it's an aggressive form of herpes <laughs> erupting from my drain. <laughs>